This is the Messy Progress Podcast, and I'm your host, Adrienne Smith. First off, thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in, for sharing this with your friends, and I'm just so glad that the words and conversations that I get to share with you are making a difference in your life and having a positive impact, especially right now. This conversation is special to me because I'm talking with my friend, Patty Ivey. Not that all the other conversations aren't special, but this one's really special. Uh, I went on a retreat with Patty a couple years ago, and it was the beginning of, I would call like a rebirthing for myself. A couple of my friends also came on the retreat with me, and it was a paramount time for the three of us, not only to connect with each other, but to connect with ourselves and the work of our souls and really listening. And it got facilitated because of Patty. And Patty's a very, very intuitive person, and she's a great listener. She's a great leader, and she cares genuinely about the people that are in her life. And I didn't know her well at the beginning of our retreat, and I just knew from the start that she was someone that was going to be a stand for me and for me stepping into greatness everywhere in my life. In this conversation, we talk about being possibility in our life and being in the work of personal development and that there's not an age that we start this at. It's really a matter of even just you listening to this podcast, of being in this conversation with me, with us, that you start to dig down and excavate some things in your life that maybe you haven't been looking at. And so that's what this conversation is. I hope you enjoy it. And thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Um, I feel very free in uh, energetically, just free in all the ways. And um, I start to feel, uh, yeah, like I can do anything again. And I pretty much can. So it just gets me uh, when I'm in that zone of genius I feel uh, a momentum that keeps moving me forward in, in like the things that really matter to me. Yeah, it's a, there's a quote, there's like a Steve Jobs quote that's like, you don't have to pull your vision out of you. It's like it, yeah. you're pulled to it. Yeah, yeah. And that has always been my life. You know, like I think I've told you this before, but, you know, I was always uh, described uh, from a young age as like a marching spirit that, you know, my mom would be like, yeah, I don't know, you're like, you're, you're always look like you're looking at something and heading somewhere and nobody knows where you're going, you know? Uh, I always had that, like I always had a vision that was bigger, you know? I, I wouldn't have described it when I was younger as possibility, but that's really what it was. You know, I always had this higher sense of there's more without thinking that where I was was bad. Is that yeah. So this is, there's a quote that I just read from a tea bag that kind of points to this. Do you ever get those yogi teas? I saw your picture of it. I don't, I'm not a yogi tea person. Okay. Well, it's, um, that was that picture. It says, accept who you are in this moment and acknowledge who you want to become. And it makes me think of that in a, in a way of possibility of like, right now isn't bad. Like what you're saying. And there's also this. I love that description of you being a marching spirit because I picture like, I picture you, but I also picture like a little patty kid, like with your chest open and just like walking towards the light, even I though- I was that person and I had big long braids and uh, yes, 
I, that was definitely me. Uh, yeah. you know, a little bit of a Pollyanna. I can still be that way where I just want to like, I'll, you know, I'll just sort of believe everything that everybody tells me and, you know, that kind of thing. And, and uh, it's, it's a good thing. And sometimes it doesn't work in my favor, but I, I'd rather hold on to that than walk around uh, thinking that everybody's up to no good. Yeah. What's an example, Patty, of when it hasn't worked in your favor? Oh, gosh. Um, well, it depends on what you mean by it hasn't worked in my favor. So it's not really so much about being in my things working out in my favor. Uh, it's more that um, I guess it would be more about uh, me uh, sometimes listening from a place of, you know, what I think is true or what I thought I heard. And um, it's not necessarily always that anyone else did anything wrong. It's just that it wasn't their same intention or, you know, like uh, I, I take people at their word. And uh, so it's, it's that, you know, so it's not like, it's not working out in my favor and not working out in my favor. I, I have a tendency to be shocked and disappointed quite often. Um, not so much anymore, but in my, you know, younger years and days. Um, uh, and um, that's really just about me, you know? Yeah. What's ch what changed? Like for, so younger years to years now of not being shocked and disappointed as much. Yeah, well, when I say younger years, I'm not even talking about younger years as uh, in my 20s as compared to now being um, in my 60s. It's younger years in my personal development is what I would say. And so um, as I've done a lot of personal development work and I've had to really um, not, you know, I'm not big on that expression anymore, do the work, because uh, I think it's so much bigger than that, to really be in the work every day of your life, like actually being in the work, you know, not just going to take a course and then you've done the work and, you know, and then it just, um, so I think it's that. I think that uh, because I'm always in the excavation of myself first, you know, I'm, I'm willing to be brutally honest with myself and where I need some shifting in how I'm doing or seeing things or behaving. Uh, and so that's helped me. And, and I've always been that way. It's just that I'm getting, you know, we peel back layers and, and, we, and I've gotten deeper and deeper into things where I see a pattern. I'm like, oh yeah, there's that thing again I do. There's that thing again, right? And so, um, getting to the thing a little bit more where it's like, it's just that, oh yeah, there's that thing I do. Or realizing that, you know, uh, life is going to go the way it goes. People are going to do what they do, including me. And I don't have to be mad about it. It's not personal. So I think that was the big one, like really finally landing um, that uh, everything that I took personally, because I'm, I'm an empath, so I'm incredibly sensitive. So I took everything personally. And um, it's been nice to be able to shed that and to just own what's mine and I don't have to own the rest. Yeah, what's the, pro how do you do that? Practice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's it. There's no magic answer and it just doesn't happen overnight. It really takes practice. And um, 
you know, the self-awareness of really, you know, this the self-awareness of really, be, really being in your life on the daily and, and that surfing of your own edge, like so awake that you're, that I'm always at that edge of seeing things and, and, uh, you know, dropping one thing and then there's another, you know, to kind of work with, but I love that. It's my thing. So it's okay. Yeah. And what you said was, is like, you'll see it. Oh, there's me doing that thing again. There's mm -hmm. me doing that thing again. And it right. sounds like that thing is the same thing. Uh, sometimes. So I guess what I would say is I personally, this is just my own personal belief. Uh, we talk a lot about, you know, in the world of Baptist yoga, the story that runs us. Um, and I, I believe that what I've discovered, at least for myself in my life, is that we don't have a whole bunch of different stories. It's pretty much the same story that's running us, but there's different layers of the story, right? So in the beginning, we start and we see the story, but we're just at the superficial la layer. And then the more work we do on ourselves, we get deeper into where else it penetrated, right? And we can operate pretty well in life with having a story run us, but it becomes more like a low-grade fever than the flu. And you can function on with a low-grade fever, right? So mm -hmm. um, it's just those things that we still can't see. But as we keep digging and excavating, it, it becomes that, you know, um, the story and, and you know is running us and when it's running us we can't see it but what happens is we finally get a glimpse of it at some point could have been 20 years ago at my first level one or two who knows right um and then three and whatever <laughs> until it stopped that's it and then all of a sudden like the story is over here to the side and and i'll do the thing but now i could see it's the story Mm. So the story is not running me anymore. I have access to it. The blind spot has opened up. So now I actually have uh, the power of choice to not go into the story. Yeah, that like what's on the outskirts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's there. Like, it's like now, because we can't choose a new way of being until we see where we've been, how we're operating. If we don't know where we're operating from we can't possibly make a new choice. So well, it's so, what you said with, about operating from, it's like not just like operating. System. Yeah. Our operating system of life. Right. So mm -hmm. like we, we, we're run this, we're operating from like what gets us through life, right? The store, the things that get us through life. Um, and so I can't see that I have new choice until I actually get until the blind spot exposes itself. And I'm like, oh, I hate that thing. I don't want to do that thing anymore, right? I don't want to be that person. I don't like that part, right? And then we grow and we shift and we do the thing to stop doing that. We practice skills to, you know, and then, um, then we get to like say no to it. Be like, no, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna take that one on today. Like, no, that's not, I'm not gonna make that personal. No, I'm not gonna do that. Whatever it is, it could be anything, right? We just choose to not step into the story because the growth is actually in the blind spot, not the story. Yeah. Has it been something that like you've uncovered, like you've uncovered your blind spot or has it been that like it was something that was pointed to? No, I'm always uncovering my blind spots. 
And I'm also okay with taking hard feedback. I mean, I've done that, you know, since the day I started Baptiste yoga, you know, like I was always willing to sit and listen to the hard stuff and I got some hard stuff, you know, and I didn't, I didn't quite get it. I didn't understand it. You know, um, Baron would say things to me. I would hear things at program from other people and like, I didn't get it, but I, I just always knew not everybody, I, you know, I was discerning, you know, but I knew that if I was hearing the same thing often enough about me, that there had to be a grain of truth in it. And it would be a good idea to like dive into that. So, so there's, there's that, but I would say, no, that is really, um, it's just a, a, a part of who I am that I've always been, I've always been into um, self-growth and inquiry and always, I've always been that way. When I was a kid, I was like interviewing my friends about life. You know? <laughs> you know? I mean, I, I wanted to talk about that. I didn't want to play dolls. I was like, so, you know, I always want to like talk about, you know, deeper things in life. So I just always had, you know how that's like, like you, I'm sure you see this with your kid, right? Like when uh, you hear stories of like famous singers, like let's say JLo who used to like sing into her hairbrush, right? Or whatever, like those little things are there from a young age and they typically are there for a reason. Like I was the one trying to put all my friends in a little red wagon and take them into the world of possibility, you know? And, <laughs> and um, lost a lot of friends because they didn't wanna keep having me yammering on about their great potential. <laughs> Let know? me stay here. So, so yeah, so uh, again, I didn't know that then because I wasn't trained in it or didn't have any experience with it. I was just like yammering, you know? Um, so now I'm a little more, you know, discerning. I don't try to drag everybody with me. Like I'll shine the light, plant the seed, and then what they do, they do, you know. Hopefully, yeah. I try. So talk about talk about that, Patty, with um, your, your this kind of you're you're creating a new whole, not just a program, but you have a new program coming out um, right. called something around stepping into leadership. Correct. Right? Yeah. Talk about that. Yeah. Well, you know, you had asked me about coaching and I don't consider myself a coach. Um, I don't define myself as a coach. That doesn't ring true for me. Um, I've always been interested in um, the personal development of people. And so um, I take an interest in people who really are interested in, in self-growth. And so, um, so it's like, almost like you could say, say that that's your target market with just anything, like yeah. who you would want to be a teacher at your yoga studio, who you would want to be as a student. Well, you can't handpick those people. Right. So I would say that, you know, even with teachers at my yoga studio and all the teachers that I've trained over the years that were, you know, in ongoing training with me because they taught for me, um, and then um, all you know, different programs I've done, and the, you know, I've done like 25, 200 hour training programs, right? Um, so you can't handpick people to teach for you 
who you're like, oh yeah, that person will be this person who wants to grow. Cause we don't really know that. I think that that was one of the big learnings for me um, and big step into my own personal growth as a leader inside of my own um, studios and, commu and com yoga community was that you can't force someone else's growth, right? So um, I thought it would be that way because I was that way. You know, I was, I was the person who, when I discovered Baptiste yoga and um, went up to Boston, you know, every single month, get on a plane. And I took, you know, yoga classes the entire weekend with all of Barron's masters back in 2003, I would go Friday night, take a, get there in time for class, two classes Saturday, two classes Sunday, one Monday morning, and then I'd go right to the airport and go home. And I was the one tapping everybody, every teacher on the shoulder, like, you know, excuse me, why did you do that? Or, you know, and, it, and I was, it was mostly not about poses. It was about energy that I felt in the room. And, and I was interested in why they were doing things where they were doing, because I felt um, different in my body than when I was at my own studio, you know? Um, so, because I put myself into studentship like that, um, I just thought everybody was like that. Everybody wanted it, you know? So I went into, uh, and then I, I brought one of Barron's master teachers, well, a, a number of them. Uh, Elizabeth Huntsman used to come to the studio too, but um, in the beginning, Qualey Marsh, who was, um, and Gregor Singleton, and they were both director of teachers for uh, Barron, his studios. And I just was hungry for growth. You know, like I just had a thirst for it. And so they would come down to my studio, like Quayle would come every month. I paid her to come every month and she would um, work with my teachers. Cause I was, you know, we all, I wasn't, you know, we were only open gosh, a year, I think. And I didn't know anything about yoga and training teachers or any of those things. And um, I would just sit right by her side the whole weekend and just soak it up and take notes and learn from her. She was fabulous. I learned more from her than anybody. And that's how I learned how to really start. Well, you know, she was a real mentor, you know, she wasn't just training people. She was mentoring them. Uh, and, and I wanted to do that. So that is how I approached my own studio. And uh, it worked out for, you know, a number of them, but not everybody, you know, um, not everybody wants to do that, you know. So I think that that was um, in the beginning stages, very frustrating for me. Um, and then frustrating for the people that worked for me because I was like, why don't you want this? You know, and uh, it, I think that was probably the hardest thing for me to, um, you know, even up till recently, you know, to let go of that um, people, everyone's going to choose what their path for them, you know, and we have to, uh, I had to remind myself and, and really start to understand that um, everybody has their own vision, their own passion, and their own dream. And I can't shove mine down their throat. But if I can tap into what matters to them, then maybe we can do something together. And then my job really um, becomes to do the best I can to make them the best yoga teacher and, and human being uh, in, you know, develop, you know, self-developed human being while they're with me and then wish them well if they move on, you know? 
where before I was like, why are you leaving? You know, like I wanted everybody to stay with me forever. And that's just not realistic. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you said. It's, it's what matters to them. It's that shift. So like your blind spot, it sounds like was, it had to matter to you. It had to, what mattered to you had to matter to them and it didn't. And then all of a sudden you saw, oh wait, when I actually invest in what matters to them, then we can work together in a beautiful way. um, It's not that what we were doing at Down Dog didn't matter to them, but they also had their own dream, you know? And and so um, I was so busy just assuming that they were on Team Patty, which they were, I never asked them, you know, you got, we have to remember to ask people what their dreams are. We have to remember to ask people what's important to them. We have to show interest in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like take the time to, to see what they're about, not just, and I think, you know, I just assumed that, you know, because I'm a visionary, you know, I wasn't like this, um, I wasn't a manager type, you know, that's not what I wanted to do. I just want to change the world. So like, you know, who would want to do that with me, right? It was more like that. So um, yeah, it took some maturing on my part, you know, um, as a leader to understand that, um, yeah, like they can be all about what I'm doing and I have to show some interest in what they're doing too and help them, I'm going to be a real mentor then help them realize their lives, their dreams and what's important to them. Yeah. So how do you do that? How do you, you can ask the question of what matters to you. And then as the, well, I would never ask the question what matters to them. I mean, you know, to be truthful, it's, it's really just about um, learning how to listen, you know? So that's why I don't consider myself um, a coach because coaches will tend to work from their own agenda. That's been my experience. Um, I don't do that. Um, I will um, ask people what they're after, you know, if they want to work with me, like, well, what do they want? Like they set the terms of the agreement, right? Not me. Like they, you know, I'll ask them, um, you know, like, well, how, you know, what are you looking to get what do you want to have happen in our work together? You know, and um, they'll share what they share. And um, then I ask them how important it is to them. How badly do you want this on a scale of one to 10? They'll give me a number. And then I ask them how much time and energy they want to put into, do they have to put into this? You know, and they'll give me a number, right? And then um, I ask them, because typically now I'll do either three month or six month contracts. And, um, but then I'll say um, at the end of the three months, if this worked, how will I know that? What will be happening in your life? What will I see that's, that's changed for you? And then they'll tell me. So they set the terms. And then my job is to hold them accountable to get them there. That's the work for me. Like I'm, I'm the mirror, like you said, this is what you said you wanted, right? And I keep bringing them back. It's, it's so, so it's really, you know, like that. It's like, they're telling me where they want to go and I'm going to make sure they get there. And if we need to have a pivot or a little adjustment as we go along, then we do that. 
and it needs to be for good reason. Yeah. Now, is this someone that signs up for program with you or is this some like even well, that's a one on your studio? That's one on. No. So like that's I have um, that's one on one clients that I have now that will seek me out to do that. Um, if I'm doing programs. So let's say um, the stepping into leadership program. That's more based on um, for teachers that are coming out of, um, yeah, I would say newer teachers, five years less than, um, could be more, you know, just because I've been around a long time and there's things that I've learned um, that others haven't heard. And, you know, there's teachers that have that with, you know, I can say that about too. Um, so I'll develop a format um, that we're going to follow. But what I'm learning inside of that is, is share. Like, so I think it's this, it's like, I'm not interested in teaching people. I'm interested in sharing with people and there's a difference. So I spend a lot of time just sitting and sharing with an agenda, right? So like, let's say we're going to talk about a certain topic about teaching. Um, my interest in, in um, teaching is really how to be impactful as a leader in the classroom in a way that makes a transformational difference. I could give two craps about a warrior too. I can teach all of that, but that's not what lights me up anymore. You know, I mean, I can do anatomy until the cows come home. I was a massage therapist for years, but it's not what I want to, it's not what I want to do. It's not um, time well spent for me. And you're not going to get the best of me because I'm not going to be lit up. Uh, but what I am interested in is sharing insights and, and things that I've learned and uh, how to work with energy in the room, how to work with the psychology of things in the room. Like what can make this how can you as a teacher um, create a container for um, something really extraordinary to happen in the classroom that can, can be a pivotal moment for people in their lives? And it's not that, it's, it's not that um, we as teachers are the one who can change someone's life, but if we have tools that can help set that up and support that and hold a container for it, it certainly can. It's how, it's happened. It's how it happened for me. So that's, that's how it would look inside of one of those programs, right? So whether mm -hmm. it be a program for teachers or um, I, just, um, I just started writing another one today. I, can't, I, was, I should look up the name because I'm like, now I'm like, what the hell did I call it? <laughs> <laughs> um, hold on a second, I'll tell you. Um, Oh, there, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll have to watch for it. It's called Rebel Heart. That's my next one. Rebel Heart. And uh, I'm excited about that. That's going to be um, an, an immersion, a one day yeah. immersion. So, um, and that'll be a similar um, sort of facilitation thing, you know, and that's what I really like doing now. I like facilitation. Now, what about that creating that environment, that classroom environment that you talk about in the virtual world now that we're living so virtually? Yeah, well, that's a really great question. And um, it's not going to be the same thing. And I also think that um, 
we as experienced teachers, um, it's our duty to create the best experience we can with what we've got because we owe it to our students, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I shifted, which was interesting because, you know, I stood in front of the classroom, you know, 17 years and, um, and then I came up here and then zoom, you know? Um, and so I feed off of being who I am. I feed off of the energy in the room. I feel it, the sweat, the movement, like that's what I work off of. Like, I don't, I never go in with a class plan. You know, I might have a light theme in my head, but typically not. You know, um, I typically will just see, feel something happening in the room and boom, I dive right into it. And that becomes the conversation. Hard to do that on Zoom because I can't hear, you can't hear anything. You can't feel the energy. Um, you can't see anybody sweating. Not really. Right. Um, and there's you something about from people's bodies. <laughs> right. Right. They're in the, all these weird things. And then there's cameras off and all the things. Right. Um, so I, um, I was like, you know what, like this, it wasn't working for me. I was not being, um, as I wasn't being powerful and I'm a powerful teacher and I'm like, something's got to shift. Uh, and so I decided that I was going to, uh, start practicing with them. And, and then I, I enrolled my husband in the idea and I'm like, okay, let's set up the living room. Cause you know, we have a beautiful living room, um, with high ceilings and lots of light and fireplace. And um, I, I got, you know, a big ring light, which I already had, I had a ring light, I just never used it. And I'd said, I'm gonna put my phone in it and light that sucker up and it works really well. And then we set our mats up in front of the fireplace and um, I, I can't see anybody now because I have, have um, the person who um, is my host, you know, assists me. Um, a teacher, I have teachers who want to learn from me. So they host for free to be in the class with me. And then, so they spotlight me and I can't see anybody and, um, very different experience to just learn to start speaking. And you're just, I'm kind of looking at myself, but not really because I'm practicing. Right. But what's happened is I've been able to tap into the energy of my own practice, because I practice like a lunatic, you know, which is kind of funny for, you know, an old broad, but I do, I love the, you know, I mean, I do my best, right? But I, I, I practice hard. And um, so I'm sweating and I'm moving and I'm breathing and, and it's given me access to that direct experience again, that's coming through me, which I always got, which is what fueled me in the classroom anyway. So it's been fun and my husband practices next to me and people love that because, you know, considering we moved from DC, um, people now can still be with us and they love it because we're, you know, we're like, welcome to our, they love looking inside of our house and, you know, seeing like we're seeing where we live. And um, so it's been come, it's become a great little uh, community vibe that we've created. It's been fun. That's great. So that's how I did it. I, so I think we all have to find like our own way, you know, that makes it, makes it good. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that this is how you came to it because that's how I've been teaching as well. And it didn't start like that. It 
exactly the same, like in studio, never on a computer. I don't know how to do this. This feels super awkward. It felt like I was teaching for the first time. Right. It was so weird. And then you got used to it. And then being on the mat, it's, I feel like I'm breaking all the rules that I learned as a teacher. (laughs) Me too. I'm like, don't practice on the mat. Look, listen, give tools. And I'm like, but I can't, I'm, I can't all these, I'm going to have to throw all those rules out because I can't. Yeah. And listen, you know, I'm very irreverent, you know, I adore Baron, but I'm like, look, listen, give tools, whatever. Right. Like, yeah, I, I didn't even know anything about that when I was trained. So, you know, we were taught to like train from the direct experience of channeling the practice through our own body and our own experience. And then of course we had, but, but our thing was more like, you know, two cues to alignment, one to mind, one to spirit, you know, like it wasn't the same. It's very, very different and very, very loose. And so, um, uh, you know, it was all about take people on a journey, you know? And so I'm really good at taking people on a journey. And, uh, so that's, yeah. So for me, it's great. And I, and I, and I feel like, um, you know, if anything, I, I, you know, we were all taught through Baptiste to work with what you've got, right? Work with what's right in front of you. So that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Right. And that's what you're doing is working with what's right in front of you. Yeah. And I, I find for myself is that it's, it's, it's working. It's it's like, everything's working until it's not working. Correct. (laughs) And then we adapt and modify. Yeah. And a lot of those tools in my humble opinion, and I don't have too many humble opinions, I'm pretty opinionated, although I keep them to myself a little more now. Um, Sometimes there's so much methodology that gets in the way that um, it can get very conceptual and take away from the greater experience of the yoga for the student. Um, So that's just my, you know, thinking Mm -hmm. and not always, you know, but I, I think that, like you said, it's there are certain things that are good until they're not good anymore. And there has to be a balance of uh, methodology hanging out in the background with a greater experience that's being created around that. That's only the skeleton. That is not the whole, that is not the whole kielbasa as they say. Yeah. And just to kind of shift things from like that, like the world of yoga to just everybody that's existing is, um, is making me think of one of the questions I was going to ask you that I had shared with you was. Yeah. I was referring to them because you wrote me all these questions. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, you, you had said, well, what I had just said was like, it's, it's working until it's not working. And what, when you and I spoke several months ago, it was probably like six months ago, time's flown so fast. I remember you saying to me, you're like, Adrian, you're in, it was something along the lines of like in complaint mode. Like everyone's, you're in complaint about everyone, every, your husband, your studio manager, your dog, like everything. And I was like, yeah, yep. you, were, you were, you were in that. Rah, 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 rah. <laughs> oh yeah. I was bitching about everything. And you know, like the blind spot, you know, speaking back to what we talked about at the beginning of this is like, I didn't see that until you, and, and probably see that, but then you were just like, you just punched it, like right, called it right out. And you said to me, you need to see people as extraordinary. And in like, and it was, it was like, until you do that, like they're always going to be doing everything wrong was kind of how I interpreted that. And 
And it's just making me think about this concept of everything's working until it's not working. Right. It's good until it's not. And that's everywhere. Like, you know, everybody's going through all these ups and downs and highs and lows and, you know, worlds flipped upside down. And it's like, how do you know it's working or not working? Like, when is that? You, you We've talked about intuition a lot and there's like a, you get hit with something, not from anyone else, not from opinions, not from, you know, the complaints, but back to the beginning of this conversation, you're like, you know, I'm in the flow right now. Like things are working because I'm in the state of flow. Yeah. How do you know? Like, how do you know that? I know it. It's a feeling. I mean, I've always worked directly from my intuition and uh, my intuition is getting um, more and more refined. And for me, it's happened because I, I'm spending a lot of time alone. Uh, you know, when I moved up here and you had asked me about that too, like moving and what was great about it and what wasn't so great about it. Um, you know, when I moved up here, uh, I'm not convinced that I, I would have changed my life as much as I said I was going to change my life if the pandemic had not hit. And, and it wasn't just that. I mean, I moved here. I was up here for like a month and my dad died. So I had that, right? And then a week after my dad died, all the studios shut down. So um, I didn't even really get to mourn my, my pops, you know, because I had to deal with four locations. Now I'm not in DC. Now what am I gonna do? Am I gonna have to move back there? Like it was not great. And um, I'm very good at making quick, smart decisions and pivoting very quickly. It's, it's a skill of mine for sure. And um, uh, I don't know if it's a skill, it just comes naturally to me. It, and so um, I made some decisions, like I kind of knew within the first 30 days, like when the pandemic first hit and they're like, oh, you're going to be closed for two weeks. I'm like, okay, we could survive for two weeks. And when it became apparent, it wasn't going to be two weeks. I intuitively knew in my mind that um, it would be for me uh, way more than I wanted to take on to try to lug four studios along um, and try to reopen four studios successfully. And, and, um, so I just kind of knew that, right. So fast forward and we'll go back to that. Cause you asked me about the closing of my Clarendon studio. Um, I really, you know, because I'm an introvert and, and, uh, you know, which is part of being an empath, you know, I could be in the house for like a week and not even know I didn't go outside. So in the beginning it was great, you know, until it wasn't. And, um, but it forced me, you know, I didn't realize how jacked up. I, I knew that like, um, I wasn't handling stress well anymore after all the years and running, you know, the four studios and, you know, it's very different running studios now than when I started, you know, um, before you used to open the door and money flew in, you know, there were lines down the block and there was no competition. And I just, you know, all the reasons of why I loved doing what I was doing, I wasn't doing those things anymore. I was bogged down with running 
the business side of it, which I don't like. I can do it. I don't want to do it. I don't like it. I want to create. I'm a creator. I'm a visionary. And um, so I was burned out. And um, I don't think I realized, I knew I was burned out, but really just I knew it was like, I, what I, you know, it was always this feeling of, oh, I hate doing, I just hate this. And that wasn't my nature. You know, I, lo- I, I used to love going to the studios every day. It was getting to the point I didn't want to be there. All I wanted to do was practice. All I wanted to do was practice. I didn't want to do anything else. And so um, having the pandemic hit, because when I came up, what we were supposed to be doing is that I was going to go home once a month, teach a master class, run a teacher training program. I don't know that much would have shifted for me if the pandemic didn't hit. So what I got from the pandemic was access to um, all this time. And really realizing how jacked up I was, like how jacked up and stressed I had been. And, and the tension started to slowly, I mean, my body for like a month, I can't even tell you how sore and you know, when you're like tight like that and then your body releases and there's all this soreness, it was like years and years of that tension was starting to like, let go a bit. And of course, and so, and then I just started um, journaling every day and uh, I get up much earlier than my husband does. So I sit every morning, you know, I'll meditate now. It's my first thing I do. I meditate in the morning, not a long time, like 15 minutes. And then I journal and um, I just sit quietly and I write. And so my, and then I take a walk on the beach every single day um, and, and really connect to nature. And it's been amazing, like how clear my mind has gotten and how my intuition is even more, I mean, stuff comes, stuff comes to me now, like fast, you know, I'll get something about somebody. And, um, and so even when I'm working with people with my coaching, it's right for my intuition, like me saying that to you, you know, like just stuff comes out. It just comes out of my mouth, you know, and um, it's, it's usually on the money. Yeah. So when you, when this was all going on and you, you, the pandemic had hit, you still had the four studios, mm-hmm. you're living away from them. doesn't really matter whether you were there or not. Right. Is well, what was this? I, know. I have a really great CEO right now. Yeah. So what's the state of stuff? What was, what was, what shifted for you just being away and not running them? Or was it that like a, something structurally changed, like someone else ran them? Well, I mean, I, I can't say that I didn't consider shutting them all down. I did, um, you know, because what the pandemic did give me access to also was the ability to say to myself, you know what, like all of this is happening for a greater good. And if this is how I was looking at it, like, uh, you know, if down dog gets caught in, in, in that, like if that just happens to be one of, you know, if we, if that happens to be that we got caught in all of that as a result of something better will happen for the world. Like I'm, I'm a, like I, I deta- I, w- I had to make peace with it. I was not going to drive myself crazy. Even if I was in DC, what am I going to do? Right. The pandemic was the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I really had to sit back and, and trust that 
whatever was going, I was going to do the things. I wasn't going to sit back on my couch and have a beer and be like, oh, well, whatever should will be, will be. Case it on. I wasn't going to do that. And so like everyone else did, like you did and Bethany did and Tammy did. And we all did the thing, right? Where you go through and you do the things and you get your PPP and you like all the things that we had to do. But I wasn't going to let it drive me so hard that um, I was actually okay with saying, you know what, Patty Ivy, like you have done good work. Like, and I knew that, right? I really got, you have done really good work. Your, your legacy is complete. Like it's okay. Cause I, I wanted to step into something new anyway. And so my, it always was, is that like, well, down dog. Yeah. Like it's a creation, but it doesn't mean that that's the only thing I'm allowed to do for the rest of my life. I wanted to step up into a higher leadership of what we talked about that I love doing in the classroom, but now take it to a next level, right? Because if you think about when it's happening in the classroom, people just walk through the door. We don't know who they are. Of course, sometimes we, we do after a while, but um, we don't, you know, we don't know. And there's something nice about getting, to, if someone signs up for my programs, well, they chose that. Right. Mm -hmm. So working with people who really want the deeper level of the inquiry work beyond just the physical asana is really important to me. So that was always the plan anyway. And so I just really had to say, you know, like, yeah, like you've done good work, kiddo. Like you've changed, you've had impact in, in a lot of people's lives, your studios, our studios as communities have held space for people for eight, almost 18 years now. Like you done good. It's actually okay if it's okay to let it go if that's what's meant to be, right? So I think part of me being able to just be in that space um, gave some freedom around um, solutions coming up, right? And so my team, um, especially the management team, I have you know great leadership in place right now. Like they knew that I was thinking about shutting everything down you know, um, because I wasn't going to let, let it take me down financially, not all these years later, you know, worked too hard and, you know, and, uh, and so, um, they just basically said, you know, let us keep running it. Like, let's monitor day by day where we are. And like, you know, with your permission, let's keep going. Cause I'm the one that's on the hook for everything. You know, there's personal guarantees all over and, um, you know, let's, let's make smart choices as we move along. And so I, you know, I, I really have been shoulder to shoulder with them and the teaching team, everybody, like from teachers, there were teachers that were teaching for free for a long while, just because they didn't want the studios to close. I mean, I cannot even tell you, like pretty much everybody stepped up like beyond you know, measure and did the thing. And so that's why I agreed to keep going. Or I probably would have just said, that's it, I'm out. Um, and then, um, you know, conversations took place about really hard, you know, like that my, my Clarendon studio is, it's just, you know, the big and the rent is ridiculous. It was like $16,000 a month. And, um, it just didn't seem feasible. We didn't have to close. We were open. People were coming. 
it just didn't seem like it was the um, the right thing to do for the greater good of down dog um, standing strong and healthy for the long term. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, I thought about that one for a long time, and uh, of course I had a lease I had to get out of because I had a personal guarantee on it. Um, and so, but it just wasn't um, in the best interest of down dogs really coming out strong, you know? And to me, you know, four studio that, you know, like I only opened all those studios, not because I wanted to be some business mogul. Like I was lit up about sharing community, you know, dropping into pockets of community. And so, um, you know, I was okay with like understanding that like, ah, oh, there's going to be a little bit of ego. Cause I know people are going to be like, she closed the studio. I'm like, and then I was like, who cares? Like, who cares what, you know, I don't like, I'm doing what's right for the company and the, like, and the community and what's going to keep the company super healthy financially, you know? And, um, and that's what I did, you know? And sometimes that's what you got to do. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so all of those choices were from that, you know? And it feels good. It was, it was absolutely the right thing to do. It's interesting that you said, you're like, I thought about that for so long. And then did like, when you made the choice and the decision was like, you were freed up instantly. Like, well, yes and no. I mean, <laughs> my mind was freed up. You know, like I had to, you know, I mean, there was, you know, there, there was a personal guarantee on a lease. And so you can't just say, see ya, you know, like they're not going to just tear up the lease. Um, And so I would say agonizing months of really trying to what we, you know, what we really were interested in doing is trying to get the landlord to work with us in a way where we could get a feasible rent that could keep us keep like a really good rent that we could work with that would support the company coming out the other side of it and, and not be choked and in debt. And we could not come to terms with that. He, you know, it just, you know, he, he was interested in giving, you know, letting it be alone. Like you'll owe it to me on the back end. And I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Like, that's just debt. I don't need a loan from you. You know, what I, what we wanted to do is renegotiate a lease and um, it's okay. It was a, you know, it, it was a big business company, my landlord. It wasn't like my other landlords are fab, you know, they're small, you know, business owners, you know, not so small, but you no, know, nevertheless, I mean, really doing flip-flops and anything they could to get us to stay. This guy wasn't doing that. So um, I just, you know, um I just had to keep pushing until he, until we, we could get to the same place of agreement of like, okay, this is, you know, and then, and, you know, get to an agreement and we did. So um, yeah. So once it happened, it happened fast. You know, it was like agreement on Thursday, we were out by Monday and, you know, had to empty all our stuff out, had to notify the team, had to notify the community. And that was hard because I felt like, um, felt like I was letting people down. Felt like I was letting people down. And 
Um, so that was the only piece that like, there was a lot of mixed emotion. Cause I really did love that studio. I remember the grand opening, it was packed. It was, you know, had a lot of life. Um, it was a great studio. Um, so I didn't want, I was letting people down that I knew loved that studio, but I got to tell you, I, much to my big, 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 big surprise, you know, there were no complaints. Everybody wrote to me to say they understood, how could they support me? What could they do? Um, a lot of thanking me for being who I was, um, for keeping it open for as long as I did, for being there for them, how they'll switch over to the Georgetown studio when we reopen that. So, um, so it ended up being a really great experience and, and me feeling very, very supported um, by a community that was very, very loving and appreciative. So that was good. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I'm in a similar boat. I have one studio, obviously, as you know that. And one is, um, I can't imagine having several. Like, <laughs> I just, the, I feel like the, the years of life I've lost over this last year of, yeah. of being in constant worry and indecision and not knowing and negotiations and lot, yeah. supporting and all that kind of stuff. But it's crazy to think that because of a pandemic, you're able to close a, something that gave so much life to so many people. Mm -hmm. And when you closed, people wrote you letters of thank you. Yeah, they did. Now, a year ago, if we closed our businesses. That wouldn't have happened. Be <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. I can't. And I just think it's crazy. The minute my letter went out and you, re you wrote to me immediately when you, you know, when you saw the letter, right. But I wrote it, it was very heartfelt, you know, and um, I think that really mattered. Like people, when I put it out, people really get who I am and um, you know me, I'm not a bullshitter. You know, if I say it, I mean it. And um, people felt that. And, um, and I think that that's what it was. It just, it wasn't this letter of like, you know, we're, we're sorry to inform you that we're, you know, it was, it was very um, from the heart, but also very, um, a lot of business truth. And, and how could people not get that, you know? Yeah. So it wasn't in my book, it wasn't a failure at all, because like I said, I knew from the beginning that all of my studios coming through a pandemic would not survive. And I wanted to be in choice around it. You know, mm -hmm. so it, it, you know, that was the great thing, like, you know, getting to, you know, with, again, with the support of my team and, and Daniel Brindley in particular, you should interview him. He's awesome. Um, in particular, like side by side, went through the hard shit with me, you know, um, we did it together. Otherwise I, I, I probably would have just said, you know, you know, what, what was uh, the show with, uh, uh, what was his name? Jackie Gleason, where he'd say goodnight, Alice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is, just, is you, it would have been Mike drop by. <laughs> <Right>. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think that's the thing that's been really cool during all this is, you know, across countries, you know, I'm in California, you're on the East coast mm -hmm. and all over the entire globe, people are going through the stuff that you're going through that I'm going through. And yes. I feel like the shared stories of it's not, you know, this kind of like the birth of this podcast. It was just like, it's not easy. This is like 
We are also, as yoga teachers, losing sleep at night over these decisions that we have to make. And we have awareness to separate. And it's still like- Not everybody will do that. You know, a lot, you know, not everybody, there, you know, there, there are- you know, my experience has been when I've asked people, sometimes there's been a lot of like, oh, I'm great. Everything's fine. And, and I'm like, that's, I don't understand that, you know, and, and there's nothing more freeing than the truth, you know, and you don't have to give gory details, you know, but just tell the truth and, and you get supported by that. And that's what keeps, what I keep learning. Like if I tell the truth and I'm honest and I speak from my heart, people will step up for me. And to this day, now, like now people are fighting to get my Georgetown studio open because, you know, a lot of the people that had gone to Clarendon originally started with my Georgetown studio and people are emerging from inside of my studio that are, you know, higher ups and they're like, have, you know, calling the mayor's office and doing this and doing that. And it's like, they're just coming up and I got another text this morning. What can I do? Uh, you know, anything that I, and, and it's like, People will rise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I that I saw that because you had posted something around. This is a place that saves lives. Like we go to get saved. <laughs> right. And- we don't come to community to save lives. We we come to be saved. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. 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 And I saw all the communication back and forth, and it was interesting because it it lit me up in a way that I hadn't been lit up about what we're up to and the fact that we're unable to open a a place that can help save each other. And it's living in the hands of one person getting to make a decision of open or closed. And, um, and I hadn't, it's interesting because I hadn't felt that before. Like I hadn't felt like, yes, I know what we do matters. I know that it's a place where I've been saved. Lives have been saved. People come to be together to, yeah connect in a, in that way. And I, until you shared that, and I saw how many people were rallying around it, it just didn't hit me with what, how important this kind of work is. It's, it, it is all about the work and it's easy to lose sight of that because there's so much that goes into like, you know, we're all pretty ambitious people, right? And um, because we're lit up by the vision and um, it can be really easy to lose sight of the true work um, because we have all the things to do to keep the doors open. And that's, that's the piece that was always frustrating to me. Like that community space, you know, and I, I can remember, you know, uh, um, Baron always saying like the inside the studio space, like, that is a neutral space. People don't need to know anything about all the stuff that it takes to get those doors open, all the complaints that are going on behind the scenes, all the BS, like they need to have a clean space to go into, to feel safe and, and to heal and to have it be their church, right? And, um, and I always, you know, like, and, you know, when I opened Down Dog, you know, and he'd say like, you know, um, build your church, and fill it with light and people will come from all directions. And he was right. And um, that got lost for me, not because of me, but because, you know, when all the business crap took took over, 
I wasn't in my zone anymore. I wasn't in my zone of genius anymore, you know, and I wasn't in what's true for me anymore. And so um, I'm really connected to that again. And, and it's really important. And I feel like all of us, I think it's an important thing, you know, when, when we look at, well, I look at the pandemic and what it's given to me is um, one, uh, it's given me uh, time to watch what's happening with humanity. Like really, I've always paid attention, but wow, it's been something, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty low tide. And um, I've taken a lot of time this year to really do not much of anything, like to just practice and to write, like to journal, right? And to just be with myself and to do some healing and get whole again after all of that, you know, coming, you know, like I like to refer to, you know, my life in DC is post-traumatic stress disorder now, <laughs> you know, like unwinding from all of that. Um, and it's allowed me now to like say, okay, like where, where can I be of service in the world now? Like truly to humanity because humanity needs like a whole new level of leadership right now. And I want to be a part of that. Right. So how can I contribute? So that's been really great for me. Um, I also think that for all of us who still own studios, and even though I'm not going to be running mine directly, um, the people that are running it for me have mentored directly underneath me and, and they know what's important to me as a mission. And so we get to dial back and clean up some of the things that got out of hand that yeah. didn't feel true to mission anymore and go back to ancient traditions and, you know, like that. I'm, I'm like pumped about that. And yeah, yeah. what a gift. Cause you wouldn't have seen that otherwise. No. Well, we couldn't. I mean, you know, when you have four studios, think about uh, filling four studios with teachers and then developing them to the level that I think is acceptable, which is pretty high, you know, um, pretty high stand. You know, I hold the bar pretty high. I admit it. Um, And then you know, you no sooner get somebody there and they leave and then you're starting, like, it just was like that, right? And um, it's like constantly putting out forest, you know, chasing down forest fires, you know, putting fires out all the time. And so now um, with less, you know, it's like, um, yeah, we get to dial it back and um, really get intentional about, just being of service, really being of service, you know? And of course, you know, we have to, you know, we have to keep the doors open. You got, you know, but I believe that um, when, when community is being led from strong intention that um, um, it takes care of the business part. You know, I always said that when I opened down dog, you know, that the business part, if you, you got to do the things, we know that, you know, the bills aren't going to pay themselves and you have to, you know, but um, if you're, if you're swimming in the right stream with the right intention, um, the uh, community will take care of the business growing, you know, and keeping it healthy. So that's, yeah. that's been a, yeah, that's been a super, super, super gift for me. And my yeah. husband said to me the couple of months ago, he's like, Adrian, I remember when you first opened your studio. And again, this is different times 10 years ago 
is now and even for you longer 20 years ago when you first opened but I remember when you used to teach classes and then you train and that was when I was training hardcore for triathlons and right and I look back like yeah that's kind of all I did like I taught good classes and I like took time separate for you know space for things that also lit me from my business and I'm like gosh I don't want to train anymore that's not the answer but it's haven't been it's it's this rat race of sorts that's like oh I'm not I gotta do this I gotta do that I gotta post that I gotta negotiate this I gotta sign up for another loan grant yada yada and then so I keep remembering that of just even Baron said this way back at the beginning it's like teach good classes don't worry about like what color is on the wall. Just teach Don't good worry about the decorations. Yeah. I mean, you know, I remember his, for his Cambridge studio, <laughs> it was beat up, you know, and the floors creaked and it was fabulous. You know, my Georgetown studio floors creaked too, but um, especially the old one. Um, but he, yeah, he said that he just teach good classes. Nobody cares about the rest. Mm-hmm. And, and, and people who are really coming for the yoga don't, you know, People who are like, oh, I need to have the shower and the fancy soap. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like if you have room to put a shower in, yeah, put it in. But, you know, like I, you know, my thing, one of the pillars of Down Dog was like raw sacred space, like raw sacred space. That's it, you know, and um, put out good yoga and people are going to come. Yeah. Patty, I want to end with rapid fire questions. because Oh, like- God. Okay. Here we go. Okay, here we go. <laughs> this is um, not my best game, by the way. <laughs> yay. <laughs> One of my favorite questions, I got this from Brene Brown. Um, what books are on your nightstand? Oh, gosh. Or wherever uh, you read books. Yeah, um, I don't usually read books. I listen to books now. So right now I'm listening to um, Michelle Obama's Becoming. I listen to them while I'm am, uh, walking on the beach. Awesome. Um, Advice that you, not the best advice, but just advice that you live by now that you got from your mom. Hmm. Treat everybody like they're your family. Not so rapid. I had to think about that, but yeah, treat everybody like they're your family. My mom welcomed everyone into our home and I live by that. What's a word that you're living by, Rick? Well, now and always, integrity. Do you have a favorite yoga pose? <laughs> I do. What is it? Bound half moon. <laughs> Ooh, I like that one too. But it changes. It changes. Mm-hmm. But that's what it is. I'd say that's a pretty steady one. Now, I know you have more ample space now that you're not hustling in Georgetown, but let's say you have a plan for your day and all of a sudden you have 30 minutes free. What do you do with it? <laughs> I've been doing these 30 minute hit classes with Teddy <laughs> Melkamp. <laughs> I'll have to look that one up. Someone else gave me a recommendation for hit classes that they do every morning. All what in would you Teddy. T- <laughs> all in with Teddy. Um, what would you tell the younger version of yourself? Wow. Um, 
Stop worrying about what people think of you. Just be you. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Patty. I love you. I love you too. Ah, thanks for listening. That was such a great conversation. And I feel like we covered so many topics. Business in a pandemic, leading people. God, everything. Our age, what holds us back, our blind spots, connection. And just honestly, truly, being in the work, it takes a lot of practice. So don't give up. Keep forging ahead with whatever it is that you're working on and know that there's so many other people that are behind you doing the work, being in the work, alongside you, cheering you on. Have a great week.